what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Every positive pursuit in life, every progression of personal development, change is fueled by one thing, inspiration. It's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor. Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now we're going to inspire your true performance. Hi, this is Kevin, and today we have episode 408 of Ziggler's True Performance Show. Zig Ziggler speaks to us today, and we're getting deeper into his goals methodology from Ziggler's premier series, Strategies for Success Blueprint for Achievement, which you can get at Ziggler.com in MP3 format. This today is part two of that session, uh, continuing from show 406. And if you want to clarify, pursue, and work out your goals with others doing the same thing, Ziggler.com slash live to win. You can join Tom Ziggler in live classes and a community of other goal setters and achievers and not try to do this on your own. Today's show is brought to you in part by a product I fully stand behind, pun incredibly intended. It's QuickStand from human scale. If you're sitting too much at work or in your home office and you've got to try QuickStand, in a single smooth motion, QuickStand lifts your monitor and keyboard higher, allowing you to transform your sitting desk into a standing one. It's the simplest and most elegantly designed way to transform your desk. And don't be surprised if it also transforms your energy level and your productivity. I should know I've been standing for about a half to three-fourths of my workday for well over a year now. You can try QuickStand risk-free at quickstand.humanscale.com. Here then, folks, is just over 11 minutes of Zig on stage talking about goals again, different aspects. Then we're going to break it down into actionable digestion. Here we go. Here's something very important. I'm asked this question all the time. Who do you share your goals with? Well, if it's a give up goal, you share it with everybody. I'm going to give up smoking. I'm going to give up drinking. I'm going to give up eating too much. I'm going to give up being late. I'm going to give up cussing. I'm going to give up these things. And you'll get encouragement as a result of that. But if your goal is shared with someone that will not support you, like, for instance, two college students, one of them says, I'm going to be valedictorian. The other one says, yeah, you're going to do it. Instead, they're saying a pig's eye you are. That's what I'm going to be. Or I'm going to be number one in sales. You think they're going to say, yeah, you can do it. Now they're going to say to themselves, at least in a pig's eye you are, I'm going to be number one. Who do you give that goal to? Your mate, ideally. Your sales manager, if it's a sales goal. The professor, if it's an educational goal. You share the give up goals with 
everybody. That helps your commitment. But your go-up goals, you want to share them very, very carefully. Remember, when you write it down and list the benefits, when you identify the obstacles you've got to go over, when you spell out the skills and knowledge required, when you identify the people, groups, and organizations to work with, work out a plan of action and set a date, if it's applicable, then I've got some fabulous news for you. Follow these seven steps on each item on your dream sheet and you will eliminate your whims and your wishes and save months, even years, of frustrating effort. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. College graduates, over 80% of them, 10 years after graduation, are earning their living in a field completely unrelated to what they majored in while they were in college. Now, think of what it would have meant had as youngsters had the parents had the privilege you're not going to have of teaching them to, to set those little small goals, you know, each day and then gradually extend it to them. So here's the way you get a bicycle, not five years down the road or a little toy like this. Two months from now, all you got to do is save 25 cents a week for the next three months and here's going to be the reward. It will be yours. You'll feel better about it because you did it. And that builds their confidence. And then uh, look at the acronym uh, GOALS, G-O-A-L-S. And what it stands for is Godly Objectives Assure Lasting Success. And in the final count, basically that's what every one of us wants. Is that not so? Yeah, you got to set those goals. And when the goals are properly set, you've taken a big step in order to get there. Let me also say, as I mentioned earlier, in this uh, performance planner, what we have is we have the picture of all of the different examples. Like, for example, you want to lose weight, get a better education, acquire a new customized minivan, be a loving, attentive, involved parent. Show you how you work through every one of those things in your goal planner. And then uh, this happens to be uh, mine, but here it shows what you do on a daily basis. It'll take you about 15 minutes a day, but I'm telling you at the end of the week, when you look back and say, here's what I was able to do, you'll be amazed at how much more efficient and even more importantly, how much more effective you will be. Now, How do you reach those goals? Everybody wants to know, well, how do you get there? Well, first of all, you make that commitment. My friend and mentor, Fred Smith, he's 83 years old, wisest man I've ever known, says this, commitment is essential for victory in an individual's life. Committed lives have meaning, accomplishment, purpose, and excitement. On the other hand, tentative living is never satisfying. Tentative generally becomes negative, and negative becomes critical or even cynical. Tentative lives are never victorious. Have you ever read a biography or a history story related to someone who lived tentatively and became a hero? It takes commitment. Now, why is commitment so important? With commitment, what you do is when you hit the obstacle... Not if. 
when you hit the problems, when you hit the obstacle, if you've got the commitment, your immediate thought is, how can I solve the problem? This is true whether it's getting an education, maintaining the marriage, uh, getting a nice promotion, whatever it is, if you've made the commitment and there are problems arise, then uh, you start figuring, how do I solve the problem and reach my goal? Now, if you haven't made the commitment, your first thought is, how do I get out of this deal? And folks, we find exactly what we are looking for. Without that commitment, that's going to be the bottom line. You got to have the commitment. Commitment is so enormously important. Now, for example, let me point out something that uh, can happen when you make that commitment. Seven or eight years ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. When the session was over, a lady came up to me and she said, uh, Mr. Ziegler, I'm the one who wrote you the letter. I, uh, like you, I weighed well over 200 pounds. As you can see, I'm no longer overweight. And she was not overweight. She said, unlike you, I smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day. And on occasion, I drank. She said, I was a nurse. And I, I love being a nurse because I was in a position to help people. But I started uh, listening uh, to you. I loved it when you quoted Dr. Joyce Brothers, who said you cannot consistently perform in a manner which is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. She said, I really loved it when you were honest enough to say, what I'm proposing is going to be very difficult. It's going to be tough. But when you're tough on yourself, life's going to be infinitely easier on you. I loved it when you said, yes, it will be tough, but it's going to be worth every bit of it. Mr. Ziegler, let me reintroduce myself. I'm Jan McBaron, MD. One of four women in America who has their MD in bariatrics, weight management, weight control. This is my husband, Duke. Now, when she got that MD... She had to go back to school and work her way and to get her BS degree. She was a full-time nurse. She worked her way full-time going to medical school. Now, folks, that's like climbing Mount Everest backwards. She and her husband, uh, Dick Libertor, would meet at 2 o'clock in the morning, which was about the only time they could see each other, and have a meal together. Their life was out of balance. There's no question about it. Was it worth it? Yes, because they kept their eyes focused clearly on the goal. Now, once Dr. McBaron was established and Duke, her husband, helped her, then he opened, he went back to school himself, graduated magna cum laude, and he opened in 1991 Peachtree Natural Foods. And today he has 11 stores with a business plan to open 30. In 1998, he was voted in the top 100 best health food stores in the country. Today, Dr. McBaron herself has three offices. She was Georgia's author of the year in 1995. And she was honored that way because of her book, Flavor Without Fat. She and her husband, Duke, have a radio program. It's called Duke and the Doctor. It's in over 100 different cities throughout the U.S., Canada, and the Bahamas. This Talkers magazine voted it both 1998 and 1999 as being one of the top 100 best talk shows in the entire country. She's a busy lady. He's a busy man. Uh, but Jan McBaron, who and Duke are close friends of ours now, 
told me that she got the greatest satisfaction of anything she's ever done in teaching the functionally illiterate how to read. She said, you cannot believe the joy it is to teach a grandfather how to read so that he can read the Bible to his grandchildren. You can't believe it when a senior citizen says to me, you know, Dr. McBarron, I no longer have to ask a complete stranger, what is the name of the street we're on? The freedom that it gives is unbelievable. Her greatest enjoyment is coming from teaching someone else. You really can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. Well, how do you go about reaching your goals? Well, I'm a big believer in New Year's resolutions. Oh, now, I know what you've heard about New Year's resolutions, but I don't think they have to be made on New Year's Day because most New Year's resolutions are just New Year's wishes. You know, I wish I could lose this weight, or I wish I could get better organized, or I wish I could get that job, and you know, they're just wishes. But a New Year's resolution, now, that's something else. You can make them on April the 28th or whatever day. Now, let me tell you why I'm so excited about New Year's resolutions on any day of the year. First of all, when you make the resolution, here's what I'm going to do. Now, if you will repeat that a number of times, especially to someone who will hold you accountable, I'm going to lose that weight, I'm going to quit smoking, I am going to get better organized, and you repeat that to somebody who will hold you accountable. Do it enough times, and after you've built on that several times, then one day all of a sudden you will say, I'm going to do it. It's no longer a resolution, it's a decision. Now, once it becomes a decision, and this is what goes through the process, once it becomes a decision, the line of thinking, the way the mind works is, you know, if I'm going to do that, I've got to develop a plan of action. No responsible person will ever make a commitment until they have developed a workable plan of action. And once that commitment is made because you've got a plan, your confidence and enthusiasm grows. How many of you ever participated in team athletics? Can I see your hands, please? How many of you, after the coach had given you the game plan for the week, went home and said, man alive, we got a great game plan for this week. How many of you would get excited once you had a good game plan in action? Same thing works in your personal life. Well, Zig talks about sharing our goals with others. That can be a dicey proposition. So let's start by debating that just a bit. First, though, thank you to Blue Apron for their sponsorship of this show. Uh, It's a call out to all the food lovers in the true performance audience. And I mean people who like truly great tasting and healthy food. I have, I have a love affair with food myself. I love food that tastes amazing and is good for you. And I love cooking it as well. So welcome to Blue Apron because that's exactly what they are about. To get a personal endorsement for me, they sent a couple boxes of their meals and my whole family was impressed. We had a blast. So Blue Apron sends fresh, high quality ingredients to prepare incredible recipes. You get pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. For less than 10 bucks a meal. So Blue Apron, I mean, they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is going to bring you the best. So in our first Blue Apron meal, we had cod and penne pasta and purple potatoes, fresh green beans, and more. It was excellent. And the ingredients... 
that they gave us and the recipe was different than any taste we had had before. So meals available in July, spinach and basil pesto nachi with summer squash, green beans, fresh mozzarella, spiced pork tacos with avocado, pickled onion, uh, corn, summer vegetable pizza with garlic, lemon, broccolini. It's just good stuff. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's blueapron.com slash Ziggler. It's just a better way to cook. So sharing your goals with others. I mean, this is profound for a couple of reasons. I mean, the encouragement that you can get and the accountability that you can get as well. And Zig says you share your give up goals with everyone, but you share your go up goals with a select you. And I want to talk about that select few. I mean, with any goal, it is wise to be discerning who you share with. But notice that regardless of, of the goal, Zig does make the assumption that you will share it because he knows how important that is uh, for a couple different reasons. If you don't share them, a lot of people share or keep their goals to themselves. Uh, for two reasons. I mean, one, they're embarrassed. Uh, they don't really have belief and faith in themselves. They're embarrassed, which means you keep the goal small and you probably not, don't stand on it very strongly. Uh, but number two, when you keep it to yourself, it is much easier to quit as well. Um, but in sharing, so he's saying you got to share, but be discerning. I know a lot of people have been burned by that. I mean, often others, even, even, and sometimes, especially even the, the clo those close to you will feel threatened when you lay out goals of any type and, and why, well, if you get up off the couch as an example and go for a run while everybody else is still sitting there, it highlights the reality that they could get off the couch too and go run. And if they don't want to do that work, they now feel shame. It takes away the excuses that everybody might've even subconsciously sat under before, and it showcases their own lack. Uh, so you got to share your goals with those in, in a sense who can handle it. And for those who have health enough that you can share it with them, you'll inspire and lift them for everybody though. When you achieve that thing that you're going after something of value, you do a big deal for them. Big thing for them. You have now shown them it's possible and helped give everyone permission to maybe do it themselves. I mean, some are going to stay there in a threatened place and not ever be able to handle it. You're not responsible for them. I mean, think of the examples, you know, it's, it's the story of the, the kid from a poor family. Who's the first to go to college where you see, uh, then the other kids, the siblings and future generations, the cousins, they start going as well. Did everybody all of a sudden get smarter or richer? No, not necessarily. Their paradigm just changed their expectation changed because they saw, Oh, it can be done from somebody right here within our midst. It's so powerful. Uh, I mean, one of the great stories this made me think about was Roger Bannister. He's the guy, if you don't know, who was the first to run a sub four minute mile or, or right at exactly four minutes. It might've been. And after that was after experts had said for years, it was impossible. They said, all oh, human beings just can't do that. You'll, you'll blow a lung. Well, within a year after he did it, so did 24 others. Now that's a long told story, but it's dramatic. Uh, and now of course the four minute mile is a standard of elite runners. And he was the first human to showcase it was possible and then give permission to so many others. So you can add that in the mix for your motivation to go after something. Do you need to go after something to inspire those around you? And do you need to see it through and achieve it to make it 
your family's legacy, to take their reality up a notch. Well, Zig talks through the power, again, of listing down goals. This is one of those things. This is a drum he beats over and over and over. And many of our, our, uh, our powerful interviewees, world changers here on The Ziggler Show, say the same thing. They listen to Zig, and, and he's the reason a lot of them did it, listing down those goals. But then he does hit on the main power. What is it about that? It's making a commitment. Putting it down on paper makes it real, makes it exist. I mean, don't you love the story or movie where the character rises up from hardship and despair and weakness? Maybe it's even a slacker and they find inspiration or just dire necessity that makes them pony up and fully commit to an endeavor to rise to the full stature of who they are and their ability. I mean, it just ah, makes your cells vibrate, as my wife would say. Well, what about us? I mean, when did we last have a lofty new desire and not just dip our toe in it, keep it to ourselves, or maybe fondly contemplate it, but absolutely commit to it, to make a hard line decision and and announce it and say, I'm going to do this. We do big things when we have to. You know, when a relationship gets critical and may end, we make changes or commit to counseling or stop or start certain uh, behaviors or circumstances. Or when we get laid off and have to find a new job, we do what needs to be done. I mean, when we move and have to sell a house and drive cross country and move the family and buy another house and do all that entails, we, we do it. We do it. We're capable. We're just normally reactive. That's just a reality about humanity. I mean, nothing is as motivating as pain and fear to get us to take action. Desire, especially when things are, are okay, is much harder to make big commitments for. But when we're proactive instead of reactive, when we act from strength instead of survival, we can make such greater decisions than when we are reactive. I mean, this is a part of success maturity in essence that we all grapple with, but we see those who have success grow further and further towards making proactive decisions for positive things they desire in their lives. Even when things are pretty good anyways, they don't wait till it gets bad, but that is a bane of our existence as humans. Well, Zig says next, he says the opposite of a committed life is a tentative life. I mean, that just sounds bad. Here lies Kevin Miller. He led a tentative life. Uh, So I looked up tentative. I like words. It says not certain or fixed, done without confidence or hesitant. And the word fixed got me in there because that's, that's Zig's point of goals. Without goals, we aren't fixed. Zig continues on then about commitment and the, what, what is the primary power that it gives us? Before we dive into that, thank you to Earth Class Mail for supporting today's show. So Earth Class Mail, they move your snail mail to the cloud and gives you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. I mean, it's crazy that we've moved everything we do for business over to the digital world, but we still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. In my rural area, we don't have personal email boxes. Even for businesses, we generally have to pick them up blocks away. 95%, of course, is junk that we immediately throw away. With Earth Class Mail, you can get all your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get a real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your front door if you run your business from home. 
Earth Class Mail. It's a great solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types. Visit earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. Again, that's earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler. So Zig says when you're committed and you hit an obstacle, not if, but when you hit an obstacle, if you're committed, your thought is, how can I solve the problem? Again, being a story TV movie run culture and a guy who myself loves a good story, it seems like every epic movie is made up of a quest, right? A huge obstacle is always encountered. I mean, that's the point. That's what Donald Miller in his book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, said a good story is made up of a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. I mean, how simplistic is that? That And yet, yet there's your epic movies, every single one of them. So uh, pick your epic movie. A huge obstacle is encountered. One uh, And one or more in a group of people, the people involved says, oh my gosh, we're done for. We should have never tried. We'll have to turn back now. I mean, in the Bible, it's the Israelites hitting the Red Sea and lamenting that they never should have left Egypt where they were slaves and beaten. But in the story, in these epic stories, the hero finds a way, right? Even if they're struggling with their actual, with their actual faith, they're still committed to the end result come hell or high water and whatever obstacle they're going to beat it and overcome it and persevere. And we love them for that. We adore them for that. Well, what about in our own lives? I mean, we are the heroes in our own lives. If there's to be a hero, it's got to be us. I mean, the world needs us to be a hero. Your friends and family, my friends and family, they need me to be a hero. I mean, I need them to be heroes as well. And God needs heroes to step up and say, yes, I am willing through your power. I'm here and use me. And on on the topic of God, I mean, have you noticed that most biblical stories that that exist uh, and it's God giving a vision or a task or a calling to someone, they go after it and God allows some insurmountable obstacle to arise. I mean, does that seem logical to you? It it just doesn't to me. It's not logical. If I was Moses and I hit the Red Sea with thousands of people in tow, my first reaction would have been, holy moly, I made a bad decision. This must not have been what God meant. I must have heard wrong and I would retreat or try to solve it on my own strength. I mean, that's fairly human, but it's so true. And I've often literally gone to Genesis and Exodus and read through there to try to get my head around that. No, I I'm, I, I'm confident in, I have faith in the vision that God gave. Now I'm at an obstacle and it's so hard. Did I make a bad decision or is this an obstacle that God has allowed? Like he often did. I had a friend one time say, you know, it's so hard to discern. Is this, is it, is it God or was it a bad burrito? Um, as a friend once stated to me, and I've held on to ever since. So they said, would God ever call you to something that didn't require his participation? Man, that stopped me in my tracks. I mean, are, are the obstacles allowed to ensure I'm seeking God's help? And to that degree, aside from faith, we as humans seem to have been made for community and relationship. Yet as we isolate more and more in our private lives, we're going about everything pretty much solo. Obstacles should cause us to reach out for help and quit being an island under ourselves. That's a truth that I know intellectually, but I really struggle to live out naturally. I literally, this day, as of this recording, have an event in my life where I am a victim of an unscrupulous person and I am in a bind because of some timing issues. I reached out to four friends 
uh, for help. I literally needed their physical help. Uh, and I've got three of them that replied immediately and said, we'll be there. Oh my gosh. And it, I'm praying later and just hit with the gravity of that to have friends to call out to and those that will respond. But what then hit me was not, it really wasn't shame, but it was just, oh my gosh, what am I missing out on? As I go about my day-to-day lives with people at hand, and yet I make these decisions and I take on these obstacles by myself. So when you hit that obstacle that, as Zig says, is going to happen when you've made a commitment to something, then you make that commitment so that your question is, how do I solve this? Not the opposite of saying, oh, well, it must not have been true. All right. What gets to me so much in this scenario is, is also as a parent, I mean, I'm teaching my kids to be heroes or not how to commit or to be tentative. And my greatest influence on my kids is my example, how I live my life out before them. So am I showing them a dad that's strong and stalwart and stalwart uh, and devote and heroic and going for it or, or a dad who's safe and secure and tentative? Do they want to be inspired or have the latest version of Xbox? So regardless of their answer to that, you know, what is best for them? They're not always mature enough to decide everything that's best for their lives. That's why they gave, God gave them us as their parents. I mean, aren't you glad that Zig was committed and heroic? I mean, folks, I get to be close friends with Tom Ziegler. There are stories and the Ziegler family. There are stories of Zig's exploits and decisions that would make you a little uncomfortable, not anything moral or ethical, but just with all good intent and good heart and trying to do more and be more. He made business decisions that didn't always uh, pan out with millions on the line that brought all he had to perilous places. I mean, he swung for the fence and it's why he's here with us today. His message, his legacy It was his devotion to his calling, to his legacy, and inspiring an entire world. It's part of what kept me from my own personal ruin and mediocrity, which I'm always working out every day. Well, next, Zig Zig said something that at face value was a little little hard. If it weren't for the fact of knowing Zig and his legacy and character, it might even trouble me a little bit. I think for most of you, this is going to be relevant. He said, the harder you are on yourself— the easier everything else will be. Well, there's a couple sides to that coin. I mean, Zig is speaking to a good many people who aspire to very little. They don't expect much from themselves. They don't push themselves much. They're playing small. They have a poor self-image. They lack discipline and strength. And he's calling them to rise up and be the incredible creatures they were meant to be. You were meant to be living out the gifts that we were meant to live out in our lives. I mean, that is valiant and inspiring. Now, on the other side, there are many who, and you know, you'll know who you are, who are way too hard on yourselves, merciless even. I mean, you're never good enough. You live in shame a lot. Not only do you never live up, but nobody else does as well. Well, that's not what Zig is talking about. And folks, I'm speaking from my own platform here. That's my own personal primary thorn right there. But so much of what made Zig himself as a man so amazing and such a standout anomaly is he was strong and committed and heroic. But as Tom Ziegler has shared in in one of our early shows uh, that he actually shared originally with me around a bonfire at my house up here in the mountains with my family sitting around and we were just talking. I asked, I said, what made Zig stand out? I I went to the seminars. I went to the conferences, all these guys, but why did Zig stand out so much? What did Tom as his son uh, closely intimate with and what did he see? And Tom says at the age of 45, when Zig gave himself 
uh, over to Christ and became a broken man. Well, for the thousands of listeners who do not express a faith in Christ, being broken is not exclusive to following Christ. It's about humility and acknowledging your humanity and your innate frailty, your equality with others, not your superiority. But being broken and humble is not being small and weak. That's where it gets, it gets messed up, gets diluted. It's grace and strength. And Zig had such high expectations for himself, and yet he had immense grace for himself and for others. So it, it, it's in the, same, in the same hand. I mean, he's calling us to more. He's calling you to more. He's calling me to more, but also expecting us to have grace for ourselves, hand in hand. And I think for a lot of people, that feels like a dichotomy. I mean, he cites the power stating, hey, here's what I am going to do over and over. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And then finally getting to the point of saying, now I'm going to do it. And once it becomes a decision, your mind develops a plan of action. He says, he said, no responsible person makes a commitment until until they develop a plan of action, which that's a ready aim fire approach, which is best overall. And I know there are, are others, there are people out there. Uh, Zig included who at sometimes you get inspired and make a commitment. Okay. But you don't take action on it until you make a plan. So, you know, if that's you, it, it's, it reminded me of John Burroughs quote, leap and the net will appear. So in Zig's quote, don't get caught up in that. You can get inspired. You can make a commitment, but he's saying you're not going to, you know, taking action before you have a plan is folly. The most important thing I think to hear in that is the three ingredients though. Even if the, the orders melded a little bit, that number one, here's what I'm going to do. That's inspiration and, and decision. Number two, I'm going to do it. That's commitment. And then of course, how am I going to do it? That's a plan of action. Got to have all three. Ah, well folks, thanks for being with me today and uh, letting me become inspired and uh, trained along with you. Uh, I'm excited to go after true performance right here with you. Have an awesome day. Talk to you in the next show.